Rocky Southwest Weekly is brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix, T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network, by College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe, the ASU fans home away from home, Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, voted best of Las Vegas two years in a row. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning tequila since 2011. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. 12 Valley locations serving the finest in craft beers and handcrafted burgers. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products, gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Zach Bondurant. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest around the United States, Canada, wherever you may be listening on the Podbean app live to Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Uh, Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. My co-host, Zach Bondran from Chandler, Arizona tonight. And Zach, um, three minutes, 39 seconds to go, and we now have a 2-2 game uh, in an elimination game for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, uh, not, not what we wanted to start the show with, but that's a fact of life, right? Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm I'm not even watching it because I can't. I just I can't do it. <laughs> uh, I caught it on because uh, I have to, <laughs> but but otherwise, uh, it you know I mean Dallas played this entire game until the third period, like they had three games to win one, which they do, and uh, the next thing you know, it's uh, it's a two-two game, and uh, I don't know, it's just ridiculous. Uh, anyway, that's what's going on in this end of the world. Uh, we're here to talk call, uh, professional hockey tonight. Uh, we're down to the final four in the playoffs, but you brought up something to me the other day, and I thought, what a great idea. Let's let's talk about our resident GM, you, uh, and let's talk a little bit about uh, this is going to be an incredibly short offseason for the NHL by all plans as it looks right now, so... Uh, why not talk a little bit about the Arizona Coyotes who were eliminated in the uh, the first official round of the playoffs, and uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what they have to do to, uh, you know, rebuild their roster, if you will, uh, stabilize things, if you will, um, put together a product that can get back to the playoffs again as quickly as possible. So I said, yeah, let's do it. We got our resident GM. You put together some uh, draft stuff so we know – uh, when they pick, which is kind of scary because they don't get a pick until the fourth round. Yeah. Uh, and then we also have to uh, talk a little bit about some free agents, uh, trade bait, as you called it. So we got a bunch of stuff like that to talk about in just a few minutes. But I also wanted to open up the uh, the Podbean Live uh, opportunity tonight. So if anybody's listening to us live out there and they would like to interject their two cents worth, if you will, uh, feel free to... Uh, to tap into one of the call-in buttons down later on in the show, and uh, and we'll be happy to bring you on. But okay, this was your baby. Tell me what you want to talk about to start things off. Well, like we had talked about over the past, uh, I don't know, since the Coyotes have been eliminated, we have to kind of know what the direction they're going to go in. Um, and the way I've looked at it is, they have one or two ways to to approach it which is either a complete teardown or you can kind of go the Montreal Canadiens way and hold on to some very um, coveted pieces and try and get some draft picks and trade away some pieces that you, you feel like you can, you can get some return for and isn't going to hurt you in the long run. Um, I seeing how we don't, we haven't really heard of a GM being officially hired. We know Steve Sullivan is the acting GM. Um, what I would do, I'm just going to come at it from what I would do, and I would probably go tear down. Um, and that, that's our resident GM talking, folks. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I would probably say tear down in the sense of getting picks and prospects similar to the way that we see um, like the Avalanche did it. The Red Wings are going through a phase now where they've had a lot of their not, – not necessarily they're a bad team from playing standpoint, but they've lost a lot of their, their veterans that got them there due to retirement or whatever uh, the situation is. So – uh, there's just multiple ways to look at it. In this in this circumstance, it's a very talented team with some key players that could stay, or you could look at them as assets that will get you a return to kind of to help with that rebuilding process. And in the sense, I, I'm not a fan of the word tanking, but in this aspect, you're, you're going to be trading away players like Schmaltz, Keller, Stefan. Kemper, Ekman, Larson, and Kessel, which is going to cause a major uh, mayday uh, in your standing for the overall stand. So you're most likely going to end up with at least a top five pick for the next two, three years, which is what they need. They need to be able to recoup the draft picks through trades and being how they lost their first round next year, that's going to hurt them a little bit. But in this trade um, – in this little mock-up I did, it, it allows them to recoup two this year and one next year first-round picks. So if you want me to, I can just kind of start in on, on what what that looks like or if there's there's any questions on, on that aspect or from the callers, we can jump on that. Yeah, well, here's what we'll do. You, you throw that aspect out, and then uh, I'll listen, and then I'll play devil's advocate, and then we'll kind of banter it back and forth and see what uh, what we come up with. Okay, sounds good. So the first trade that you're going to get is probably going to be the most controversial is you're going to trade away Clayton Keller, which 22, he's one of those players that can really change a a franchise. Um, he's a very talented athlete, but he has a $7 million cap hit, and this team's not going to dig out of the cellar anytime soon. And by the time his prime years come around, they may just start be tickling the idea of getting into the playoffs. So in this aspect, it'd be sending him to Montreal to a team who uh, I talked about just earlier about um, they, they decided to hang on to some of those key pieces and they, in this circumstance, are going to get rid of a prospect of Ryan Pulling. I believe I'm saying his name correctly. Um, he's a very talented forward. Uh, he's ah, only 21 Saint years Cloud, old. St. Cloud yep. State University, the Palin brothers. Exactly. So you're getting you're getting a player who's who's six two. He's a big body. He's a forward. Um, he's very high on their prospect list. He was drafted in 2017. Um, so he's gonna be, he's gonna be ready to make the jump fairly soon. So you're reducing the so Clayton Keller's a year older, but you're you're getting a player back who's who's got a lot of promise. 25th overall pick. Um, so you're getting that prospect, and then you're going to be getting a 21 first-round pick, a 2020 second-round pick, and a 2021 fourth-round pick. Um, and I, as looking at this now, uh, depending on – this is all theoretic, theoretical, folks. Like, I don't know how Montreal sees Ryan um, and what they see from him, so this is just what I'm going off of. But I feel like that's a pretty decent haul in getting them uh, a second-round pick that they lost this year. So they get to recoup that they get a prospect who's a year younger um, and can jump in and, and start getting some experience and could potentially get, um, get a return for you later and, on down and, the road. And obviously on that too, Zach, uh, you're not, not only a year younger, but a couple of years less service time, which means he's going to come a little yes. cheaper, a lot cheaper. Ex exactly. So you're, you're dumping that cap space. That's seven, What's it? Seven million, hundred fifty thousand dollars a year for? Oh my gosh! Uh, this is only showing me up to twenty six, twenty seven. So it could be further than that. Um, but I mean, you're you're getting you're getting a cheaper price. You're getting somebody who, like you had said, is is not played pro hockey for three to four years. So his body's not going to be as tore up and you can bring him in to his organization, put it on him, say, Hey, this is what we're doing. 
um, become a staple in the community, become a, and this is kind of the aspect I'm taking too, is the Arizona Coyotes not only have to put a good, decent product out so people want to come see young players, but you also got to interact with the community and bring them in. So this is somebody I think will also be able to do that as well, um, being those good old Minnesota boys. But um, <laughs> Can't go wrong there, my friend. <laughs> right? So, so that's the way I look at that one. I know, I, I know it's kind of a hefty price to pay, but you're getting – you're getting back into the first round next year and you get back into the second round this year, which is so important for this year because it's very deep. So getting a player, it's going to be a little bit later, but at least you get somebody. You need to build this system now. Um, the next move is going to be uh, trading Nick Smaltz to the Kings in return for Gabe Velarde, a 2020 second round pick and a 21 third round pick. And the reason why I think the, – the reason why I wanted Velarde is because I think he just needs a fresh start. Um, he has a very highly touted aspect coming out um, when he was drafted. A big kid. He's 6'3 as a centerman and 203 pounds. That's a big dude. And that's a guy I think could really be the anchor of this of the team while we go through this rebuild phase and potentially pass then. Um, he was an 11th overall pick so in 2017. So he's been around. He hasn't really made a crack into the NHL. So it's a little bit of a gamble, but I think it's it's a decent gamble in the sense that we he gets a fresh start and we're offloading five million eight hundred fifty thousand dollars a year up until. 25 26 so you're getting uh you're getting off some of that cap space and you're getting uh picks back in return um and that's that's what i think is the most important part is being able to get the the picks back because looking at my my chart here there's there's not a lot like if you saw the graphic today there's none in the first round none in the second round none in the third round of the upcoming draft <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately i did see the graphic as did a yeah. lot of other people that have been commenting to me already <laughs> yeah so that that is not good for a team in this situation and next year there's no first round pick their conditional second round pick is if they win a playoff series which they hadn't and if or if they re-sign Taylor Hall which Highly unlikely they don't. If they do, awesome. That gives me two two picks in the second round next year as I make a trade later with Winnipeg. Um, nothing in the third round next year, and then you get fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. So it's just building those picks right now, um, which is the most important part. So I know losing Nick Smaltz, who we didn't get to see this year uh, in the playoffs due to injury, which is kind of a bummer. Um, see what he could do, but it kind of it's it, it kind of is what it is at this point and I, I decided that maybe it's best to to free up some of the space and and move on from that uh, that player and and if i'm going to be politically correct and put my gm hat on we wish him all the all the best and and hope for a bright future for him okay um, i like that well done gm okay <laughs> let, let, let me jump in on your first two ones and and only throw a little bit of devil's advocate at it Go as it. you know uh making any kind of trade uh is going to require two parties right the one yes. that wants to unload somebody and what he wants to get back and the and the team that has to give something back um yes i don't know the situation well enough in both montreal and in la i don't know how they value uh those picks that they would be giving up and i don't know almost as well, how much they value Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz as far as contributors to their lineup. So that that, sure. that would be my devil's advocate part of it. But I like what you're done getting picks back because, yeah, you, you got to restock the kitchen somewhere, even though, uh, you know, just recently there was a national publication that put out a, a, a kind of a story on uh, the NHL's um, prospects, if you will, and they had the Coyotes ranked pretty high. Considering what they don't have in draft picks, they do have some guys in the pipeline. So maybe, maybe you can put together a young team and and with draft picks, you know, struggle for a year or two or three, and and then break out and really be a powerhouse. So we'll see. But okay, go on. Yeah, and that's the other thing too is if if that is accurate in this sense, 
The youngest player we're really trading is Keller. Um, so I didn't trade away any of the of the guys in the cupboard. None of those guys are gone. They're all still there. Um, so if that is truly the circumstance, then we're in a really good situation um, so far. If And like you said, of course, this is, you know, this is just my outlook on it. If I could, this is what I would do. But again, Montreal, L.A., and later on Columbus, Calgary, Winnipeg. In Calgary again, that's a whole other scenario. But um, okay, fire away. Let's see what's next. All right. So in the next one, we're gonna go with Columbus, and Derek Stefan's gonna be heading to Columbus, and we're gonna get a kid, Kale Howworth, which I like because he's six four, and he's currently playing. Give me a second here. Where is he playing? Red Deer. No, that's where he was born. I don't know. Give me <laughs> hold He's on. playing somewhere. <laughs> University of Connecticut. I knew it was a college. University of oh, Connecticut. Oh, there we go. Okay. That's where he's playing. Yep. UConn Huskies, um, okay. Yep, so we're getting in that aspect. You're getting a bigger, a big defenseman, left wing center, sorry. Um, I got my chart here. I've got so many guys. Uh, he's 23 making years old. Too, you're making too many deals. That's what the problem is. I, I know. <laughs> we got six here and a lot of pieces coming back. Um, so this, so we're going to have Howarth coming back. Uh, it adds some depth to the center position. Also, he plays a little left wing. He's six, four, 205 pounds. So we're making a bigger team. And I think that's going to be the best brand of hockey to kind of go forth from now is because you're going to be moving into a division with Colorado, uh, Dallas and Nashville, St. Louis. I think being able to play, a, put a highly talented, but also very, tough team on the ice similar to Vegas. Uh, I think that's going to be the best route. I think it's a pretty good blueprint. So I think adding him is going to help with that, being a big body and somebody who can who can skate, move the puck, and play center and also play left wing. Uh, he's probably going to end up being more a depth player once we get everything sorted out, but I like the size, and I think he's going to be uh, a good addition. Um, the next piece is going to be Darcy Kemper sending him to Calgary, and I know Calgary's in need of a goal. Oh, you're hearing – hold on a minute. Do you hear all those moans from Coyotes fans? I no. know. I okay, know. And, and this is the <laughs> this is the painful part of a rebuild. You're going to have to send guys, and the next trade is going to be one that they're really going to be hurting. Um, but this is one of those things where it, it he's got a high value right now. He's played phenomenally over the last two years. Calgary's desperate to, to make uh, – to make it into the next round, make that next jump. And I think uh, if I think Kemper could be a person they covet, um, not knocking any of the, the guys they have there now, Mike Smith, and I think Talbot's there still. Um, but uh, I think I've heard through the grapevine that this is somebody that they're, they're a little interested in. And I think we can kind of jump on that and, and play, play let that play into our hands. And coming back is going to be a Russian player, and I'm going to probably butcher his name, but it's Rusan Raflikov. Um, he's a and a first round pick. So within that, we're getting back into the first round for this year, um, and that's going to help that out. Is important, really exactly. Important. <laughs> and that's that that's more uh, of the piece that I really wanted back was a first round pick, and I know Calgary. Calgary's going to know that how desperate the Coyotes are to get back in. So having those two pieces come back just for Kemper is probably probably a pretty good a good deal. Uh, getting that draft pick, and then you're adding a defenseman, another big body, six two, two oh seven. Uh, he's twenty five years or he's twenty five years old, so he's got he's got some hockey knowledge, and he's been playing the KHL. Um, so I think bringing him over could be good. Uh, he's drafted in 2013, so he he's been in the system for a while. But I think giving him an opportunity out in the desert would be exactly what he would need. Um, so and and that would be from Calgary. The next one is probably going to be one of the one of the bummer ones for the Valley is sending Ekman Larson to Winnipeg, and that I know is. Uh, hold on a minute. What's going to be the biggest uh, – is it going to be the biggest hurt for the Valley fans or for Oliver Ekman Larson to go from Scottsdale to Winnipeg? Um, well, a <laughs> little a bit one, of both. Isn't it? 
Yeah, a think little about bit that of one for a little bit. All right, <laughs> go ahead. I mean, because we all know Ekman Larson does does such a phenomenal job out in the community. He's a great player. Um, he's also a great person. He does so much for the community. So it's going to be really hard to to. to to, to see him go in this circumstance um it's he's got now this is this is a disclaimer he's got a massive cap hit and with all this with with the the flat cap next year and everything um it's gonna be very hard to move him so before anybody freaks out and i, I cause a panic um <laughs> just take a second because he's got a major cap hit and the only way that i was that i was going to be able to see this deal working out any way shape or form is if arizona retains some salary and this may have been a little bit too much but for what what i had coming back i think is is decent it's a 50 percent salary retention and that's a lot considering it's eight million two hundred fifty thousand. but that's i i feel like that's what's going to need to happen in order to make this go through because that's just i don't think anybody's going to be able to afford that um coming up over the next few years anybody who's going to be um, well, well not not a team like a winnipeg that's already got some guys that are making a lot of money in wheeler and um a lot laney and those guys you know um, exactly let me let me before you tell us who we're getting back let me jump in the devil's advocate on this one um not only is there a uh, a massive cap hit so that something would have to be juggled around there for certain but there's also something called a no trade clause that that Oliver Ekman Larson yes. has earned, so yes. he could veto it if he chose to, and that could put a, a, a crimp on it. But okay, go on. Uh, and, and just an update: Vegas and uh, Dallas are going to overtime, so uh, they'll be starting here shortly. In the meantime, go on with what you got. Actually, they're starting right now. Okay, go ahead. Uh, my my microphone and my earphones cut out for a hot second. I don't know if I missed it. Uh, yeah, you're back. Um, you're back fine. Okay, you're back fine. Okay, Go good, good. Um, so yeah, that's the other thing within these next two ones with Ekman Larson and the next is Phil Kessel. Those no movement clause, and and this is where I think bringing them in um, and something that Steve Sullivan might be best fitted for since he's been around the organization for a while. Uh, to bring them in and kind of have uh, um, um, quote unquote man to man talk of like, hey, you can stay in the desert. We would love to have you. We want to keep you, but this is this is the circumstances we're facing. We're we're going through a rebuild. We want to see you be successful. I feel like this could be an opportunity. So can you waive the no trade clause? Um, this is this is what we have in place, and and just have that talk to talk with both Ekman Larson and Kessel. Because we know Kessel wants to be in a winner, and uh, I think Winnipeg is is also looking for that, and I think Ekman-Lars is going to be a little more successful there. So um, that's something that's just got to be done with between behind closed doors. But hopefully that's an option. But uh, coming back would be a prospect, Dylan Sandberg, um, playing – Used to play for UMD, so coming out of Minnesota Duluth, now playing in the uh, AHL. Yeah, keep bringing them. Bring those yep. guys down this way. And another big body. There's something about Minnesota, they build them differently. You build them bigger because he's 6'4", 216 pounds. Yeah, that, that mold didn't work for me, my friend, but yeah, <laughs> they do actually. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, I mean, and he's 21 years old. And if you're 21 years old and you're playing the AHL, you, you've played Minnesota, you played for Minnesota Duluth. Six four two won a couple of championships. Exactly. Two of them, yes. So that's a player that I really want coming back because I can see him being the anchor for the defensive line, and that's somebody that I really want to see come back. The next two picks I would love to see come back. The third, the, the fourth piece could be a, a give or take, maybe changing that to a fifth round for in 2021. But we're going to have a 2020 first-round pick, so that gives us two picks in the first round this year. So we went from zero to two, uh, which I think is just, I think is super important for this next, this next phase. Um, and then 2021 second round pick. So that gives us one second round pick next year and less Taylor Hall signs. Um, and then the next piece is Nathan Smith playing from <laughs> again, Minnesota, a Minnesota uh, state <laughs> university player. Okay. Minnesota state Mankato. Yep. Exactly. Okay. 
So a uh, centerman, six foot, one eighty five, uh, third round pick in eighteen. Um, somebody I think could be a good piece coming back. Maybe another depth player, but um, I think he's going to be able to add to add to the team, uh, giving some depth to the offense. And the next one is probably going to be the one that's going to is is very interesting. It's going to be trading Phil Kessel to Calgary, adding and making going back to Calgary after we traded Kemper, and then uh, trading Phil Kessel, asking him to move his no no movement clause or waive his no uh, movement clause. Hopefully, in the fact that going to Calgary piques his interest because it's a team that's right on the cusp. They just got a new goaltender with trading Kemper to them. Hopefully that piques him enough to want to go play there. And coming back, uh, it's kind of a deal because we know Kessel's going to be hard to move. So another player that's going to be hard to move on the Flames is Milan Lucic. I'm willing to take that contract and say, okay, I'll take Lucic. He's going to be a player that we're going to be able to put out there and protect some of these young guys because you're going to have to do that because you're going to have very inexperienced guys coming onto the ice and you're going to need to protect your investment. And coming back, you're going to have a 2022nd and 213rd. Um, so that's kind of that's that's the the blueprint of what I've gotten for kind of a, a rebuild. We go f- from zero first round picks this year to two Calgary and Winnipeg. From zero second round picks this year because of the prospect violation to three with Canadians, LA, and Calgary. No third round, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh is still ours. Next year, you get the first-round pick with Montreal, a second-round pick from Winnipeg, three third-round picks from Vegas, Columbus, and Calgary, three fourth-round picks, which will be Arizona's, Pittsburgh's, and Montreal Canadiens. The Pittsburgh pick is something that has been um, that a deal was comp- that was made earlier on, and then a fifth, sixth, and seventh. So, and then you could package maybe a couple thirds or a couple fourths or a third and a fourth to try and jump into the second round or whatnot. But um, that's what I would do if I was in the situation. Again, whether all that works because you have you have a lot of you know needs for other teams and how they view these players. Um, armchair GMing is fun because you get to kind of have <laughs> you you get to have a little fun because you don't have anybody on the side saying no, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, well, this, this is, this is what I would like to see. Let me tell you my quick evaluation of, then we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and discuss more about it. But, uh, my quick evaluation right now is your goal was to go out and get some draft picks back. And I think you did a fantastic job of doing that. Um, like we said, there, there's gotta be two to tangle and everything. So you got to hope that you can find somebody that will, uh, will match up with all that. But you know, that being said, you've done your homework. You made make a lot of sense with what, what they are. The only thing I would be nervous about is I just don't know the other teams, how, how willing they are to give up picks because picks are gold, right? Exactly. But, but yeah. we also saw what um, – another thing you got to consider is you got a, a expansion draft coming up, and teams are going to be wondering, you know, who's going to go in that. So – uh, that that could be a factor as far as protecting players. And then you look at a guy like uh, George McPhee and how he built the Golden Knights through the expansion draft, and he did it by accumulating a lot of picks because he yep. didn't have many. So uh, really good strategy. I think that would be a, you know, I'll say it right off the get-go. It would be very difficult on the, the Arizona market, I think, for the first yeah. couple of years. So uh, Alex Merlo would be have, have to be willing to bite the bullet knowing that it was going to be a tough sell to his fan base for a little while. But um, sometimes you got to do that, and, and you have to try to sell them on the prospect that this would be maybe the last time uh, you're going to do this for a while. So, And Dallas just scored, beat Robin Leonard on a power play, and uh, it's all over for the Vegas Golden Knights, 3-2 in overtime. Uh, 16-24, Zach Whitecloud is in the box and not feeling real good about that. But Dallas is moving on, so... That's it. We know one team in the finals. We'll find out tomorrow what happens. So I hated to interrupt that, but that was breaking news. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. I will say it. I underestimated Dallas right off the get-go. So kudos to them. Bummer for Vegas. I'm that 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 is a bummer. Like I said, I, I couldn't watch it. I, I couldn't put myself through it. So well, um, I can give you a, a 
whole bunch of stuff to say after this is over with about what I think happened to Vegas. But um, let's take a quick break, Zach. Let's come back and let's dissect uh, a little devil's advocate of uh, your pick. And, and then let's just kind of toss it around what would happen if it was uh, – uh, if you didn't go that mold and you tried to uh, keep what we had and kind of mix and match and see how that goes, okay? Yep, sounds good. We'll be right back. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson band, or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player, or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates. You can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com, and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code TRIBE at checkout. Refine your prime with mdrive. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best-tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Award-winning taste since 2011. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our Three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. Free game like a pro. Post game like a champion at College Bar and Grill. Located in downtown Tempe at 740 South Mill Avenue, College Bar and Grill is the place for the best local craft beers, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. A short walk from Sun Devil Stadium or Desert Financial Arena. Stop by for lunch or dinner, game day or any day. College Bar and Grill. Looking for your next car? Head out to 2401. The Arizona Ford Giant. Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving like the new E450 pickup truck during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by Ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at bellford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals 
are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776 and let us show you why we've been the dealership that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year. All right, we're back. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, as always, Zach Bondurant, joining me from Chandler, Arizona tonight. And, uh, Zach, we just had history made. Uh, the first tournament, if you will, of the NHL playoff. Uh, the Western Conference title goes to the Dallas Stars uh, in a four games to one uh I guess we have to call it an upset, right? I mean, the Golden Knights were favored to uh, to maybe go all the way and win the Cup this year. It was that it was that big a thing? So um, the Stars win it. Uh, Vegas is done. Uh, we will do a little recap on what Vegas has to do now. Um, coming up short again, and, and you know, I know all the haters out there are going to start in. They're going like, "Yeah, listen, they've only been around for three years. They went to a Stanley Cup final. They went to the second round." The conference tournament last year uh, or the Stanley Cup tournament playoff last year. And, you know, they're in the conference final again this year. So, wow, 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 right? Uh, <laughs> so many teams never get there, and they've done it yeah, three years. So, but, Yeah, but, I mean, this is a team that, that – this is a good team. Like, this is a team that probably – I don't know. I think there's something else happening or something like – I think these guys are torched. I think the Vancouver series just took it. I think it took more out of them than what they expected. I think Leonard is tired. Uh, I'm looking at it now. Stone played, and it's it's speculated he's got a broken foot. Like I, I don't know. I these guys are tough. These are these guys are beat up. They're tough, but they're beat up. So, um, man, I don't know. And honestly, at this point, I. If you would have told me Dallas beats Vegas in the one, if you would have told me they or Dallas gets past Colorado, I would have said you're crazy. Two, right. if you tell me them, too. if you, yeah, if you <laughs> tell me that Dallas before the starts, Dallas beats Vegas uh, in the finals, the West Conference Finals, I'd say you're out of your mind. So I'd say this is definitely an upset. I'm not an expert, at least I don't. I, I don't claim to be, but you're, you're a bar stool. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> there you go. So I, I mean, but they've proven it. And honestly, I, I don't think I can go against Dallas at this point. They have, they, they beat both the teams that we suspected were the best in the Western conference finals. And they smoked the number one team coming out of the West. So at this point, I don't think I can doubt them anymore, and I'm. I think they're they're going to be my pick for the cup. I I just think it's. I, I think well, they're too they're too good at this point. Let me tell you, this is kind of in a way, a lot like last year with the St. Louis Blues uh, that came on at Christmas time and just kept on blowing through everybody with a lot of veteran players. And you look at Joe Pavelski, you look at at. Uh, uh, Corey Perry, you look at uh, Tyler Segan, you look at uh, Jamie Benn, uh, all these guys uh, maybe just don't know how many cracks they're going to get at this again. And I think they thought, well, we're going to give it our best shot like everybody would, but we got by Colorado. Okay, yeah. um, now we got a shot at Vegas. And they and they get some breaks. I mean, Vegas definitely outshot them uh, all throughout the series, including tonight, I believe. And, uh, and you look at that and you go like, all of a sudden you gave them life. Right. And they started yeah, to go cool. like, um, we can do this. And now we're just four wins away from the cup and they're severely motivated. Now on the flip side, when you look at Vegas and, and I've been saying this all along as I thought Vegas, um, ever since about midway through the Vancouver series, got a little bit on the privileged side. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Okay. Uh, I mean that in a way like, we're a really good team. We know it. We're confident. We got two great goaltenders and they went out there. They outshot Vancouver and finally got through that series. They outshot Dallas in every game and probably felt like, what do we have to do to get a goal here? Um, tonight they came out, but they only got one. And I, in my estimation, they should have probably had two, three, maybe four 
by the start of the third period, but the chances they had and the power yeah. play opportunities and all that. And guess what they did? They let Dallas hang around. They gave him a little life. Jamie Benn scores a goal, gets him a two to one. Then they get a power play. Then they score a, a rebound goal in the power play. Now it's tied. Now they go to overtime. Guess what? Dallas is five and zero now in the in the playoff tournament, Stanley Cup playoff tournament. They're calling it um, in overtime. So, you know what? Sometimes you you make your bed and you got to sleep in it. And I think right now Vegas is in that mode, and I think they're going to have to um, really dig deep starting next year and go. What what are we going to do? We got a lot of players that are making quite a bit of money. We got a lot of experience. We got. Um, a lot of top line guys, but do we have what it takes to go over the top? And you and I and Paul talked about this last night about the distraction part of it. Um, Robin Leonard has not been the sharp Robin Leonard the last two games that I've seen him play. Now you can say it, he just was fatigued. You can say, but but how much is that uh, long term contract talk? And, and when that starts bouncing around and, and players know that they're in line to get a pretty big contract, they maybe start to do stuff that they wouldn't normally do. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. either they get either they get too comfortable or they try to do too much. Like, like i I got to earn this contract now, so I'm going to try to do things that I shouldn't probably do and let my teammates do it. Um, so who knows? I, I mean, we're playing devil's advocate on that end of it too. But, okay, so – that's over with. Um, we got, you know, 15, 20 minutes left here. So if anybody's out there and would like to chime in on, on your proposal on what to do with the Arizona Coyotes, um, I'm going to jump in with some devil's advocate stuff. And we're going to start right here. Uh, we don't know yet uh, who the general manager is going to be. And yeah. with all the information that's circled around up there right now is, um, I can't say they're close. I think there's still way too many names to, uh, to just all of a sudden go, okay, tomorrow we have a GM. Um, but let's just say that happens, Zach. If they say, hey, tomorrow we have a GM, think of the work that this gentleman is going to have to do, or female, whoever it may be. Um, yeah. You've got a lot of work to do. You've got to learn about the team that you have, and you've got to learn about the draft picks that you don't have, and you've got to figure out cap space and you got to figure out who can I move to what. You've done a fantastic job of laying it out, and if somebody wanted to take your plan and at least start with that, that might be a great idea. But uh, there are just so many moving parts, I can't even imagine what it must be like for, for a new general manager coming in. And, and I said this a couple of times, and I'll say it again. Uh, it's a two-way street there too, right? I mean, let's be, let's be honest. The Coyotes have not been the most stable of organizations over the last decade or so. Um, yeah. So you may want a particular GM, but does that GM want you? Uh, I know there's been talk about uh, Sean Burke. I think he'd be a fantastic candidate and a fantastic GM because he's got a lot of experience. He knows the climate. He knows Arizona really well. He knows the Western Conference really well. But, but does Sean Burke want to take that on? Um, I know there's only, you know, what, 30, 32 of those uh, jobs out there. But so let's start right there. Your thought on that. Who, who do you think would be the guy from the names that you've heard so far? Who do you think would be the fit? It's hard to say because, like you said, you got to find somebody who who looks as looks at it as an opportunity. Um, and sometimes – Sometimes you maybe have to look at history in this aspect and say, okay, like this time it's, it is going to be different because I have confidence in myself, whoever that may be. Um, I don't know on honestly looking at the calendar, whoever comes in, if you hire somebody tomorrow, you got a month to prepare for the draft for the biggest for, for the most important time to lay your footprint for the future of your organization is a month away. Um, that's not a lot of time considering you've got to try and find a way to fill the first three rounds with at least a pick. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. I mean, Steve Sullivan's there right now and 
I don't know how well he's fitting in there for him personally, if he enjoys it, if management mesh, all this other stuff. There's a whole lot of other shenanigans that goes on with that. Um, he's been with the organization for a while. He knows the ins and outs of it. He can try and build it back or they can go out and try and find somebody, but I think it's going to be somebody who's an assistant GM um, and you're going to hand over the keys to somebody who's never had the keys to a Ferrari before. So in this circumstance, I'd almost feel more comfortable allowing Steve Sullivan to come in and do his job and do his, do his thing, allow him to do the job because he's been, He's been in the organization. He knows the guys very well. And I think the personal relationship aspect for some of these players is going to come into effect. Like we talked about uh, possibly moving Ekman Larson and Kessel. If anything, Kessel being able to say like, look, I I've been around you for a little bit. This is where we're going. I know you want to be with the winner. I don't think this is the place that you're going to find that. So, you know, are you willing to move that no trade clause? Um and I think it also allows him to say, look, I, we've done something like that before. It hasn't worked. We have to do something different. So I think having somebody there who, who, who has seen the things not work, which he has, I think is a good thing. So honestly, I, I think I'd like to see, see Steve Sullivan come in and, and give a, take a crack at it. But um, um, it, it's going to be up to management and, and, and see what he wants to do. Yeah, totally agree with you. That would be my pick, I think, uh, from the standpoint that we're in. And, you know, and I said starting tonight, show, Zach, this is going to be a short off season. It is because right after the draft, you got free agency, and then you're like a month away from starting another season uh, with a training camp and, and getting it going again due to COVID. So, um, yes. you know, if everything goes as planned, that that's not a lot of downtime uh, to to make moves, to move people, to, to get your salary cap in line. Uh, do whatever you have to do uh, to make that all happen. So I think the Coyotes are at a distinct disadvantage, uh, to say the least, right now because of that position. Um, here's the devil's advocate part of it again, uh, Zach. Uh, when John Chica took over, they said, oh, my, it'll, it'll never work. It'll never work. He's too young. He's never had any experience in this. It'll never work. And then the onus was put on him to do what? Get the team into the playoffs, right? So. Yeah. He, he wasn't rebuilding like you just proposed. He was trying to get the team into the playoffs. So the people that really rip on John Chaika right now and say, man, look how he left the cupboards and this and that. Um, remember, everybody was screaming for him to put winners out there and get into the playoffs. And guess what he did? He got him into the playoffs, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so he didn't do he didn't do what he did like on purpose, thinking okay, I want to put him in a bad spot and leave. Like I, he right. didn't do that on purpose. He he, no. he did a good job for his time here, right? And and for what he was asked to do, it was not like they said, "Hey, John, let's uh, rebuild this thing from the ground up." They asked him to go make deals. They said, "Go yeah. find go find a Phil Kessel, go find a Taylor Hall," uh, and all of those pieces came with a price, right? Uh, yes. If you wanna, if you wanna nitpick at, at John Chayka's tenure, I, I guess maybe when you look at the long-term contracts uh, that he doled out, a lot of people are unhappy with those. They were too expensive, whatever. But also, I, and I was just looking back at this myself, Zach. About a year ago, I sat down with then President and CEO Aaron Cohen, and the Coyotes were on a completely different trajectory than they are this September. Um, yeah. he he had ties into the community. He had new sponsors, new partners coming on board. There was this momentum that was starting to build and build and build. And to no fault of his own or anybody else, uh, COVID hit, right? And it yeah. kind of threw everything for a loop. And the next thing you know, uh, he's gone. chike has gone. Um, they're starting over with a new owner and new management. They got a whole new theme. Well, anytime you do that, you're uh, you're asking to rebuild for a while. I mean, that's just a fact. Um, unless you're the Vegas Golden Knights, and, and and we're gonna find out just how good the Vegas Golden Knights were at what they did, because when Seattle comes on board, um, we're gonna find out if they can do the same thing. And and my uh, my guess is that they can. They will be somewhat successful, but they will not have the same success that the Golden Knights have had in their first three years. 
Well, and I think something to that that's also going to play in to the, to that is the last expansion draft. Any of the GMs that are in their current positions were not around during that time, but now you got two guys, two teams coming in, and most of the GMs are still in their same chairs. So now they're looking at it like, okay, crap! I just gave gave these guys. Uh, a, a draft pick and a player, and they're freaking good. Okay, I'm going about this differently next time. Yes. Um, you guys, I'll, I'll I'll retain my draft pick. You take the player you want because I, I I'm not giving you a draft pick and a good player. So um, I mean, I think there's lessons to be learned from that, and I think that the they're gonna do that because that's what I would look at it as is if I'm in the West. Uh, dude, you mean I? You mean you took a pick from me because I asked you not to take this player, and you took a player from me, and you're kicking my butt? No, not happening again. So, <laughs> exactly. And 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 to take it one step further, and I've mentioned this before in podcasts, is that uh, Bill Foley did one more thing. He said, "I know yeah. there's going to be another team coming in, and here's whatever five hundred thousand more dollars to make sure that we're exempt." from losing anybody in this next expansion draft because we're too young. So yep. uh, they, you know, and I don't think the, uh, the owners always like money, the other owners, and that's how they do. They split it up, right. Uh, with expansion fees and such. So I don't think that they're going to be so willing to let Seattle have that same opportunity that Vegas got. I think when you say lessons learned, there are also lessons learned on that end of it. So uh, oh, it's going to sure. be really, really interesting um, like I said, we talk professional hockey, and, and this was uh, kind of earmarked as our Coyote show, and we'll talk Vegas Golden Knights next week uh, now that they are eliminated, and we know that Dallas and more than likely Tampa Bay, unless the New York Islanders can just pull something out of uh, out of their hat. But um, so when we look at look at what we're we're up against here in Arizona, it's not just rebuilding a team; it's rebuilding a team with a new owner a new general manager, and now you're going to really have to work hard to get your partners, your fans, you're going to have to give them something to buy into. And that might be the very hardest part of all of it. Yes. And, and honestly, if it was, if I was a fan, um, I don't think I'd want to see it any other way. New from top to bottom. You know what? This hasn't worked for however many years. This hasn't worked. What's the issue? And when that's the situation, you tear the house down, you tear up the foundation, and you start over. So, um, and I'm saying that because that I think that's legitimately the best thing to do because you 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 just gotta you gotta take some of the old pieces out there. And you're right, John Chica, he dished out a lot of big number contracts. And between that and the Phil Kessel trade, that was probably my only two like big, I guess you can call them gripes, which are not even gripes. Like it, Phil Kessel's a good player. He, he contributed and you got to pay the guys who deserve the big money. Um, but I also look at it and not even being from a, a biased standpoint, but the way Joe Sackett kind of rebuilt the avalanche by taking over a team that had been kind of down for a while, he didn't dish out big money. Um, even Nathan McKinnon is still making, he's on a bargain deal for what he does. And that's because Joe Sackett's not going to give the big dollar amount. Also to the aspect of McKinnon wants to win. You don't find that in every player to take a team friendly contract like that. But, um, I mean, he's not giving out eight year contracts. The most I think he gave out in his tenure was five, maybe six, possibly six, but uh, holy cow, that's, that's really not that long considering those contracts were going to, to Mac, uh, to McKinnon and to a couple other key pieces. So doing that and taking that approach to it is you're coming here. You're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pay you. I'm going to pay you what you're worth, but I'm, I'm not going to give you term. You're going to have to earn the term. And by that time comes around, we're going to be a winner. And I know you're going to want to stay here. So it, it I don't know. Hopefully this is a documentary all in the waiting because you're going to, this is definitely like Arizona's down and out. They got 
kicked in the gut by COVID and then a lot of just a, a bunch of other shenanigans. And in 10 to 12 years, they're going to be lifting the cup or being damn near close to it. And this is going to be one heck of a, of a, of a documentary. Yeah. And, and I like where you're coming from on that. Uh, again, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Um, are you going to go to this fan base and your partners and all those people and say, Hey, listen, I need you to be strong and be with me for another 10 to 12 years. And I promise you we're going to lift a cup. I think even if you could make a solid promise that they were going to lift the cup in 10 years, I think you'd have a hard time uh, because we live in a different society now, right? It's not about uh, everybody wants things quick, right? You get a new phone every six months. Uh, Always, always instant gratification. And I think it's going to be a really hard time to do that. And, you know, I look at the Vegas Golden Knights right now and, I know the fans up there are a little bummed out because uh, they've seen a lot of winning. They want to have a lot of winning. But guess what? Uh, They're going to open up in less than a month a brand-new practice facility. They're going to welcome a brand-new AHL team to town. They still have some of the best practice facilities for their Golden Knights. Uh, They still have a fantastic owner, a great GM, and a pretty good head coach. they got two great goaltenders at the moment. Um, There'll be some movement, I'm sure, on different parts of that roster. But – uh, so when they have a downfall, they still have all these other things to look positive at. I mean, I, I said this before, when I came through Vegas on Friday, I made a point to just for my own well-being to check in on all of the different places that the Vegas Golden Knights had made a difference. It started with T-Mobile, City National. Then it went over to Henderson and the Lifeguard Arena. Now they're digging up the uh, the new facility in Henderson for the uh, six thousand seat game arena, if you will, for the, uh, the Silver Knights. It was a trip over to uh, the Orleans to take a look at where where they will be playing uh, for the first two years. I'm talking the Silver Knights. So uh, I look at all that and I go like, man, there's so much promise. Okay, so now let's flip it back to the Arizona Coyotes and what they have to do. Alex Marillo right now has got his hands full because he's got to put together a hockey team, a management group, and then he's got to try to cultivate this fan base again. And where Bill Foley was able to cultivate that fan base was, hey, guess what, Henderson? You're getting two new ice sheets in a year or two, right? Yeah. And you're getting an AHL team in a year. Now let's look at the Coyotes side of things. They got to get out in the public, and the best thing that they could do, in my estimation, is get their rear ends down to Tucson. Excuse my little French there, uh, but get down to Tucson and get a rink or two built down there to cultivate that fan base and to support your your AHL franchise that desperately needs a practice facility, right? Yeah. Get them a nice practice facility. Get those kids going down there. They already did a nice job with the Kachinas, and, and we'll shout out to, uh, to our man, Mr. Hill, uh, for what he's done in uh, his arena and taking in the, the Kachinas group. So, you know, that's what you have to do. But it, it, any way you look at it, you're going to be asking this fan base to stick with you for a while. And that's where, that's where just what we talked about earlier with the players and the picks and the prospects is – probably maybe maybe 20% of the whole pie of the whole big picture because if you are going to go like cuz you do you still have to have fans interested in the game you still have to have your sponsors and your partners so in that aspect 10 years is a long time looking at it um now there's going to be progression within those 10 years and I'm saying a Stanley Cup within 10 to 12 years so I feel like it's possible if you do it right and doing it right is not just the product you're putting out on the ice. It's the community involvement you're going to have. So having, having the ice sheets is, is a big thing. It's a big one. And if you want to get to the parents pocketbook, the quickest way to do it is through the kids. So when you put those ice sheets in, in Tucson or Mesa or in Phoenix, or Scottsdale. Honestly, Scottsdale needs a bunch more because those are people that are going to be, I think, more interested in it. Um, But if you do that, 
you're going to be able to – the kids are going to say, hey, I want to play hockey. Okay, well, hey, who's this logo I keep seeing around everywhere? Arizona Coyotes. Oh, okay. I want to go to a hockey game. Okay, so we go to a hockey game. You get the parents. I know one thing. I started playing hockey, first-generation hockey player in my family. Nobody played hockey in my family. I got involved in it, involved in it because I was way too hyper as a kid. I didn't like baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and I could I couldn't do anything but like just move. And so one of my friends' moms said, "Why don't you try and get him in hockey?" I went. I played. Now my entire family loves hockey. My dad loves hockey. My mom loves hockey. My brother plays hockey. It's uh, my grandma, my grandma, my grandpa. They both came to my hockey games. Every, so once you do that, it's a catalyst to get people to go to games. So that's where it starts: is going into the community at, at the young, at the younger level to build it through there. And you're 100% right. I can never argue having ice sheets in Tucson is a bad thing um, because the roadrunners are there too. That is a perfect segue into getting these kids under the ice. So it's going to be a mega investment, but if you do it right, you are going to have a huge return on investment and, and, it's like a kid, right? You're going to have this kid by the time it's 18 years old, it's grown up, it's making good decisions. And you're proud of it. You built this from the ground up. And right. I think, I think that's, that's probably what they got to do. Um, and, and I'm still on board. I mean, you're coming from a firsthand, a fan. I love hockey, the coyotes. I'm a fan of them. I want to see them do well. And I think as a fan, you're not going to have to convince me. I know what I know. This is what it takes sometimes. All right, very well said, my friend. Uh, a couple things here. We're just running uh, a little bit out of time. Before you do your read, I'll throw a couple housekeeping things. We do have a new presenting partner, our first full-time presenting partner for Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Our good friends over at Maryville University, all the way in St. Louis, Missouri, are seeing the value of what we do here at Ice Time Hockey Southwest and ITHSW Podcasts. Um, so welcome aboard Maryville University. You will be seeing a lot of them, not only on the vehicle, but you'll also be seeing them and hearing them on the podcast, on the website. So congratulations to uh, John Hogan and everybody over at Maryville for seeing the value of joining us. And uh, we still have some other spots. If people want to get in, there's a bunch of different places you can be a part of this too as we continue to grow. Uh, I do want to say that NCAA, the uh, College Hockey Southwest Weekly Show, is on tomorrow night with my co-host Paul Hornstein, and Stephen and I will be on with uh, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly on Wednesday. And Sunday, of course, episode number six of the Pandemic Playoff Podcast. T-shirts are still available if you want to buy them online. Jump on the website. We still have masks. We have a variety of different products. So get out, check it out. Zach, take it away, and then we'll say goodnight with a little uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, De Niro. Yeah, and I will say this, folks. If if the Islanders go out and it's it's Dallas and Tampa, you will see a 100% <laughs> non-biased show, no holds barred, of who the, who who's probably going to be the best team in that series. But anyway, um, <laughs> so Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Voted the Best Ford Dealer in Arizona, Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant, is the presenting partner of the Sunday Special. Ask to see our friend Kevin Wood. Tell him Ice Time Hockey Southwest sent you to see a top-selling line of Ford trucks and more. Cold beers and cheeseburgers, our dining rooms in accordance with the CDC guidelines, are open in all 12 Valley locations and in California. Visit coldbeers.com for more information. T-Mobile, see Andre in the Paradise Valley store at Shea and Tatum and let him show you the power of the new T-Mobile. Whether it's playoff time or any time, it's always time for the best barbecue in Las Vegas. Call us at 1-702-541-5546 or go to jessieraysbarbecue.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, it's all about the bite. Buy Summer Skates, our line of shower shoes. You can show off your fandom or team unity with a custom design. Visit summerskates.com. Behind the mask, it's time to get back to hockey. For all the hockey needs, visit any of our three locations or go to behindthemask.com. Buy College Bar and Grill in Tempe. Buy ASU fans for ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena, home of the Devil's Hockey Shop for all your ASU hockey merchandise. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Find the bottle that suits your taste. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com. Buy OxyPow. Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at OxyPow.com. 
by M-Drive. Go to mdriveformen.com, use promo code ICETIMESW at checkout for 20% off. M-Drive for energy, stamina, and recovery. By Ice Den Scottsdale and Chandler. See our website for ice availability. Pro Hockey Southwest Weekly and all our Ice Time Hockey Southwest podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IceTimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, my friend, and great job with the, uh, w- with the whole breakdown of the Coyotes. I think that's a fantastic plan. Like I said, you spent some time uh, researching where things would work and how they'd come through, so definitely the uh, general manager's role is in your future, my friend. <laughs> uh, thanks. <laughs> uh, that would be that would be super cool. And of course, if that happens, you're always welcome at any of our games. I'll give you full coverage. <laughs> I love that. I love that, folks. <laughs> All right, that's another uh, wrap on the professional Southwest Weekly. Uh, my thanks to uh, Zach Bondran for putting together a fantastic uh, breakdown of the Arizona Coyotes. Next week, we maybe challenge our friend Stephen Marsh to uh, do the same thing for the Vegas Golden Knights, which will be a little bit more difficult, I think. But uh, just a quick recap, Dallas wins tonight and wins the series 4-1 there in the Stanley Cup final. We'll wait tomorrow night and see if Tampa Bay can punch their ticket or if uh, they can, uh, or if the Islanders can stave off elimination. So for Zach Bondurant, Scott Strandy saying goodnight from another edition of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly.